Welcome to episode 63 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Josh Lajani. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey people, Rich Roll here. Welcome to the RRP, the Rich Roll Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. What do we do here? Each week, I bring to you the best and the brightest, the most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds in health, fitness, wellness, and nutrition. I've had doctors, I've had entrepreneurs, I've had world-class athletes, nutritionists, activists, 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 advocates, spiritualists, yogis, meditators, and the everyman, which gets me to today's show, the everyman, uh, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But all of these people... I bring to you with one goal in mind, to help give you the tools so that you can unlock and unleash your best, most authentic self on the world, because we need more of that. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I know I did, at least for those of you in the United States. uh, Had an amazing, healthy, nutritious meal with family and friends. Feeling great. Got out and got some great rides in and some great runs. Uh, But maybe that wasn't your experience. Maybe you overate. Maybe you did have that ham or that turkey or (laughs) whatever it is. Uh, And you ended up on the couch having stuffed yourself, watching football, groaning with a bellyache. It's okay. Don't flog yourself. Just try to learn from the experience. That's what we're here for. We've got a long holiday season coming up. So it's good information for what's to come. Lots of festive activities probably on your calendar, a lot of social interactions, parties, and all that kind of stuff, a lot to navigate. So we put up some recipes in our episode 60, I think it was, with Julie and a blog post from her on uh, helping navigate these tricky times. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. Um, Today on the show, Josh Lajani. Who is Josh Lajani? Well, it's a funny story. Uh... A couple weeks ago, I get this tweet from this guy who I've never met, (laughs) and he tweets me his uh, before and after picture. Now, I get a lot of before and after pictures sent to me, and some pretty incredible ones. They're all amazing, and they always inspire me. I get a lot out of them, so please keep sending them. Uh, But this one really stood out. It was incredibly dramatic. On the left was a picture of a guy holding a cocktail with his wife pushing 400 pounds. No joke, 400 pounds. And on the right was a strapping young man with a big smile on his face, running, looking unbelievably fit. It's almost impossible to believe that the, that this is the same guy. It's the same person. Like, is this a fake? Like, what's going on? It's so dramatic. And yet, if you look close, you can you can tell it's the same guy. But it's really extraordinary, the change that has taken place with this person, not simply because he lost the weight, but because of how fit and happy he looks in the after picture. And so uh, I tweeted him back, and I, I threw the picture up on my Facebook page. And the picture uh, is the most popular thing that I've ever posted on my Facebook page. It got like 50,000 views or like 2,000 likes and got shared, you know, I don't know, 100-plus times all over the Internet. Like it literally kind of went like viral in a tiny little way. And I was like, wow, people are really responding to this guy. 
I need to learn more about what's going, what's up with this dude. So uh, I got his email address from going back and forth with him on Twitter and, uh, and uh, reached out to him and said, you know, how'd you do it? And uh, he sent me, uh, he sent me back a nice email, but he attached a PDF to it. And the PDF was entitled Free Josh Lajani. Free Josh Lajani. So I opened this thing up and I read it. And basically he details his story. And he said that, you know, he gets asked all the time, how is it possible that he was able to transform his life so dramatically in such a compelling fashion? And he thought he would just put his thoughts down on paper so he could send it around to people and makes it easier for him. And what I, what I found in this in this little document, which is really kind of a, a call to action and a manifesto in certain respects, um, is a really fascinating story of a guy who had to overcome tremendous obstacles to change his life around, not simply because he was overweight, uh, but in large part due to the fact that he lives in a culture in southern Louisiana, like this guy is a true Bayou boy through and through, uh, that really uh, was not uh, really that open to this way of living because he did all this on a plant-based diet, which was pretty radical from from the place that he comes from and, and the environment in which he lives. And I realized that I really needed to get this guy on the podcast and let him share his story. So he's coming on in a few minutes, and uh, I'm anxious to uh, share his transformative experience with you guys and uh, even more excited that he did it on a plant-based diet. I think he's a an amazing example of the power that is inherent in all of us to change at any given moment, given the willingness uh, to do so. Um, and he carries the message in a different way than I do, but uh, in, a, in a truly compelling and amazing way. And I think he's going to change lives and motivate and inspire a lot of people. And uh, I'm proud to have him on today. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. 
I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. All right, so Josh, Josh Lajani. Uh, I've never spoken to this guy. I don't know what he's gonna say. I have no idea how this is gonna go. All I know is that he wrote a PDF called Free Josh Lajani, and that deserves a microphone. So let's, uh, let's open this up and see what happens. 
ladies and gentlemen, Josh Lejean. Yeah, dude, we're rolling. All right. So uh, thanks for uh, taking the time, man. No, thank you. This is this is really actually quite an honor for me. It's uh, well, it's an honor for me. I got to tell you, <clears throat> you. I think I'm, I was trying to remember how it went down, but I think what happened is you tweeted that before and after picture, right? And like tagged yeah. me in it, and I saw it, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" Like yeah. people people send me before and after pictures all the time, right? But, but yours was definitely like maybe the most dramatic. Not just because of the simple weight loss, but because the after picture, you didn't just look like a guy who lost a lot of weight. You were like a no. guy who was like super fit all of a sudden. Which has been my goal, <laughs> right? Which has been my goal. And, 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 and it hasn't been all of a sudden, obviously. But yes, absolutely. I've, and, and, the, and turning to plants um, has really sort of, that's how that transformation happened because I stopped caring about weight, ironically enough, and started caring about optimal health and fitness. And it really became my biggest, my biggest goal and driver. And discovering plants and people like you and 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 uh, and Brendan Brazier and Scott Jurek along the way, Scott McDougal, reading Born to Run. Those things literally, without hyperbole or being dramatic, it literally changed my life, man. Uh, well, it's so it's so cool to see you like killing it right now, and I think that's a really uh, important point. And I was like reading the uh, the document that you sent me, which we're going to get into all that, and we're going to get okay, into your story yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that jumped out at me the most um, in your story was mm-hmm. that point where you had already lost quite a bit of weight, yeah. Um, but you had kind of started to stagnate a little bit, and it, things had started to even out, and you still had a long way to go. And you made this decision that it wasn't going to be about weight loss. It wasn't going to no. be about what the number on the scale said. You were just going to focus on getting fit and let go of the rest of that. And that's kind of when it all shifted for you, and you had this. You sort of broke the glass ceiling on the whole thing. Absolutely, because uh, I've lost nearly 100 pounds more than once in my life. I have done that before, uh, right immediately after my the my college football, short-lived college football career ended. I did drop nearly 90 pounds after that, but it was just for pure aesthetics and for the sake of losing weight and looking better. Mm-hmm. And it never really cracked for me to to be healthy um and that's what honest that's what running in in plants and this whole epiphany has has really has really brought about to me and they helped me turn that corner and i think probably being older and a little bit more mature has helped with that sort of uh with that process also you know right so how old are you now i'm 35 35 all right so let's uh let's take it back to the beginning. So, so, uh, yeah, cause your story is pretty cool. I mean, people say to me all the time, like, you know, who inspires you? Like, who are the people that, you know, really motivate you? And, uh, and honestly, man, you, you know, it's not like some professional athlete that did this or that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's guys like you. It's like the, you know, the everyday dude who, you know, no one's paying, no one's really looking at them. They're not in the public eye or anything like that. And they just make this decision and, and turn their lives around in such a huge way. And, 
And, you know, people are always saying to me, you got to have like a, you know, and have some average people on, have some, you know, normal dudes right. on the show and let them tell their story, you know, and, and you are like, you just left off the page as, as one of these guys. So, so, let, so let's see. So you have this sort of uh, ill-fated uh, stab at college, right? <laughs> like what, what, yeah. what happened, man? <laughs> well, I, I, I probably honestly thought I was a little better than I was. Uh-huh. Uh, I did get a full ride scholarship and I was so proud of that fact. And I just sort of almost kind of rode the wave on, on, on that alone. So hold on. Um, so, so you grew up yeah. in, you grew up in the new Orleans area. Correct. I grew up in a small town called Thibodeau, uh-huh. which is, uh, it's on the Bayou. I live in, the, you know, in, I'm like part of, I guess, uh, the, the, the country knows about swamp people and all yeah. of the different, the different deal. Uh, with our new Hollywood South uh, uh, sort of identity down here, a lot more people with all of the film trucks and crews, a lot more people know about who we are now, um, right. as far as characters, anyway. So and, you're like, so you're like down there, like it's Creole country, pretty much. Oh man, yeah, no, we yeah, we we coon asses, bro. This is, <laughs> you know, we, we Creole's a little little fancier than what we are. We right. we are, we are just. We are pure Cajuns, grew up fishing and hunting and, you know, making, like I say, uh, making roux and stews with anything that moves. Right. You know, that's that's what we grew up doing, man. Uh-huh, nice. And so you're playing football in high school? Yes, absolutely. I sure did. I played ball in high school. Uh, and in high school, I was, you know, in I was about 6'3", 280-ish. 290-ish mm-hmm. and it got a little bit bigger every year and and uh I got some looks in college in my senior year and uh the the one college that was really interested in me um was willing to give me a full scholarship they wanted me to switch over to the offensive line which I had played defensive line throughout my whole high school career mm-hmm. and so I was like I was, it, I really wasn't pumped about playing O line but but it was it was an opportunity for me and that and they told me to put on some weight they wanted me to put on some weight mm-hmm. so i get up there and i'm 330 now i get up there and I go through my training camp so you're and, three you were 330 and they wanted you put more weight on no 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 at my end of my senior year i was okay. i was posted about 300 what were you weighing what, what did you weigh in high school in high school, I fluffed, I went from about 280 my sophomore year up to about 295 my senior year. Holy smokes. So were you yeah. just a big kid or like how did you put oh, yeah, weight man. on? You were, how tall are you? It's just natural. I'm 6'4 now. I was 6'2", six, 6'3 six, six, in, that, in, that, in that area in high school. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you were, one, were you one of those kids who was just always the biggest, strongest kid in the class? Right. Yeah. I was always a big kid. My grandfather's a big man. I come from big people and, um, you know, my grandmother kept us heavy. (laughs) (laughs) So what was like a, when you were growing up, like what was the typical meal in the house or what, you know, what was a day in the life of food for you? Oh my goodness. Well, my grandfather owned a, uh, owned a construction business and I spent a lot of time spending, I spent a lot of time, you know, spending the night with them and getting up to go to work in the morning. Now, what we would do before anybody ever got up, what woke us up was the smell of bacon in the morning and my grandmother cooking biscuits. And um, so we had bacon, biscuits and gravy, um, you know, the standard scrambled eggs. She did these awesome fig preserves. She made all of these different things. And 
So every meal in the house throughout the day was a completely one-off meal, brand new, fresh cooked, hot meal. Mm-hmm. Breakfast, we came home for lunch and it was a hot meal for lunch and the same thing for supper and we had snacks all in between. It was all about food and, and the food was the love in their mind. They come from, you know, a more uh, meager beginnings and I feel like a lot of their agrarian like background and the the depression arab folks i feel like they they really kind of overcompensate with food because they had so little back then and they want to make sure that the people they taking care of really understand how much they love them via food right. i feel like that happens a lot you know right right so you, do you have uh, brothers and sisters yeah sure do uh-huh. mm-hmm. so how, my- how many of those I have a younger brother who's about two and a half years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Also was a football player, also a big man. And um, uh, who he, he, by the way, he to date is down almost 150 pounds wow. since he's, since he's followed, followed me along. Cause when I first brought it up as an idea, he's like, dude, really? You're going to give up meat and crawfish and, and you're going to give up, uh, uh, fish, and I mean, it just blew his mind, you know. Uh-huh. I say, give me thirty days and watch me. Just give me thirty days, and we did it that way, and it worked out. And so, my little sister, same same boat. Um, uh, my little sister is is about uh, five years younger than my little brother, so about seven and a half years younger than me, mm-hmm. and she's she's a lot shorter um, than we are. We both big big stature fellows like we take after my grandfather who's who's the patriarch of our family and he was six three in the high 300s my whole life that was the like he we call him bam bam and he he was uh you know 380 360 380 my whole life my little sister has uh you know she's she's got really heavy too and um my my so that's it. That's all of us as the as far as the siblings go. It's just the three of us, me and my brother and uh my sister. And I have two little cousins as well. Um uh, the youngest of those two little cousins, uh first cousins are is, he's like 63 He's like 63 290. Uh-huh. He's a senior in high school right Man, now. You're a big family. Yeah, we all. That's, that's like a reality show right there. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right, yeah. so 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 you go to college, they're putting you on the offensive line, you beef up. You get, right. you, you beef up to about what? 330 I think you said. Yeah, 330. Uh-huh. And uh and so what happens, man? What happens in college then? It sucked. <laughs> it's it was not it was You weren't having a good time. I was not having a good time. It was a completely different mindset playing on that side of the ball. It wasn't what my was in my heart. Um, I was heavier than I had ever been, working harder against better players than I had ever played against. And um, it just wasn't it, – I wasn't feeling it. And then lo and behold, I get hurt. I get a lower – my back starts bothering me really bad to the point to where I got a bulging disc and all of these other issues going on mm-hmm. that I could have probably in retrospect maybe rehabbed through and pushed through and sat out a season and corrected myself. But I hung it up instead mm-hmm. and uh, came back home. Um, 
after after that little stab. Right. So so not only was football done, you were you were done with school too. I mean, you just weren't happy. You weren't mm-hmm. happy in the in the school itself, outside of uh, you know off the field. Right. I was I was not happy, um, and really because where where I had gone because I'm from South Louisiana, and I had gone up to uh, rural Arkansas. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the campus was in a dry county. And that was a big deal for me. I mean, I'm a college kid. Yeah, that's no yeah. good for college. No, man. How are you supposed to? <laughs> wow. And so what I do once football's over for me and I decide to come on back to, to Thibodeau, and I get back here and I go back to Nichols and then, you know, kind of just go off the deep end. When I try to go back to just school and no, no football at all, kind of go off the deep end and and have a lot of, have a real good time with all the people that I missed. And then uh I flunk out essentially. I just flunk out. You're just having too much of a good time. Yeah. You're yep. just making yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just you're making up for the fact that you're not an athlete anymore and you can just let it all hang out. That's exactly right. Right. And that was at Nichols State? Yeah. So yeah. is that the one in Arkansas or you transferred to a different school? I transferred back home. The uh, one in Arkansas. Nichols State I got you. Nichols State is in Thibodeau? Thibodeau. I got Cooker. you. All right, cool. That's right. Yeah, so you just you just parted yourself right out of school. Sure did. You did? Sure did. All right, man. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. So, yeah, that's so, why uh, you resonated with me so much, man. And, and, you know, being an older guy when I first start trying to – you're the one that made me go, hey, it doesn't matter how old I am. I can I can start attacking these runs just like it's almost like runs almost like my second chances of proving my athletic prowess, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you definitely, you know, embody that. So, um, so, I mean, do you hit a bottom with all this stuff? I mean, after you drop out of college, what are you doing? Looking, are you working with your dad or something like that or what's happening? Well, not, not quite yet. I'm just kind of floating around, taking odd salesman jobs. I bartended a little while and, did those those types of normal things, uh, and then um, I wound up going working with my grandfather um, eventually, right. and doing construction, doing that right, doing construction, and and he's got rental property and stuff, and so I started doing that, and my grandmother passed away in '01, mm-hmm. and so it, I had to take more of a leadership role in that whole. Uh, that whole front and with since the, with then, the business or with, with the family? business and yeah. right with the business and with the family and helping him in a more real way. Um, and it sounds like your family's pretty tight. Yeah, very very tight. Right. Um, all right. So you're stepping it up in, on the business mm-hmm. front, and, uh, okay. and and so, but you're just you know, so you're sort of moving up in that world, right? Like things are going along all right. right. Moving. That's that's right. Having a little bit of a purpose, right? Uh huh. So where do the where, where do the wheels really start to fall off the wagon here? Um, as far as food goes, that's the wheels were always off the wagon. All uh, you know, um, that was the mo for my family and really for the entire region. Uh, mm-hmm. The wheels are kind of off the wagon. <laughs> They're permanently off. Right. Yeah. Right. The truck's and, just up on center blocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're in love with a lot of bad things that we actually identify with more. It's more than just food. It's actually who we think we are. It's actually 
our culture. And there's so much more to it than that. Then that's my biggest reason for reaching out and trying to be a voice is to show the people that are, I call my, my Bayi brethren, they still don't really get it and don't know that I almost feel like I've turned my back or I feel like other people might feel like I've turned my back on a big part of our culture because I don't partake in some of the uh, um, food mm-hmm. or most of the food. Yeah, right? and I mean, I think that adds a really interesting, um, you know, sort of dimension and complexity to your story because not only do you have this sort of personal, you know, war you have to wage to, mm-hmm. you know, get fit and lose all this weight, you have to butt up against all of these cultural mores and Mm -hmm. ideas about, you know, whether it's, you know, what it means to be a man and the way you have to eat and the kind of things you have to do, Right, you're taking a different tack and going in the other direction. And that's, that causes a lot of, I would imagine like social problems for you. Oh goodness, man. And that's what I tell people all the time. The food isn't really as hard as ignoring noise. It it really is. The noise is, is the bigger thing than anything oh you're not gonna have a drink like i mean i've done enough i've done enough i've i've had enough to last a normal human their entire life as far as bad food and alcohol goes i'm good right now you know mm-hmm. and um getting that across to folks down here is you still i feel like an alien sometimes but i, I it needs to happen, you know? It needs to happen for a lot of us. Right. I mean, you know, I live in L.A., and mm-hmm. essentially we're just, we're all pussies here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if there's a one place, I mean, you can eat the way that you eat or I eat here. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. You know, it's like that's the way most people, you know, not not everybody, but nobody's right. going to give you a hard time. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's very welcoming and opening. So, you know, I haven't had to kind of combat the kind of issues that you've got to come up against. I mean, <clears throat> you know, getting back, I want to get into all of that in more detail, yeah, but just sure. getting back into the, into the kind of timeline narrative. So, um, you know, the, the, you're just progressively putting on weight every year, I assume. And it's just, you know, you're, the quality of your life is sort of, I mean, you're doing okay with the job and all that kind of stuff, but your health right. is progressively starting to deteriorate. Right. I'm just getting heavier and heavier. And I'm, along the way, I'm, I meet, my wife and marry my wife and, and, um, and get even more comfortable. Um, and, and I, she convinces me actually to go back to school, which I didn't understand why I needed to go back to school. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did. And during that process, I, I started to learn to learn really for lack of a better way of putting it in a way that I had never understood before. And I, and I understood how to seek facts and find facts. And, and, and as I became, as I got a little bit of an education outside of just working with my hands, uh, I started to understand that, you know, there's some things wrong here, man. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not okay to not fit in the desk, dude. Mm-hmm. It, and it's not okay to break a sweat walking from class to class. And I mean, and all of these things that I started to get, I started to get really sort of embarrassed about. I needed to, I, I really felt a, a, a real want and need to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like I was now becoming more equipped to go, okay, 
let's let's start let's start uh, let's start doing something. I was really embarrassed about doing presentations, and I put that in that that little thing that I wrote to you. Or, right. And I didn't want to have to stand in front of people with my shirt tucked in, and that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, so. But I would just worry just sort of aimlessly. And one of my lifelong buddies just calls me out the blue one day. That's how, you know, one of these things, how the universe works. Just as I'm worrying and thinking, my phone rings and it's my partner. And he says, hey, dude, I got to join the gym, man. And we just have that conversation, you know. Right. So it's funny that it kind of, it, you know, it coincides with this decision to kind of go back to school. I mean, that comes from a place of you know, on some level, a desire for, you know, greater self-esteem and then kind of right. going to school and, and developing that self-esteem, you know, not having to be the guy who dropped out of college and actually mm-hmm. kind of taking care of business. Right. Um, and at the same time, the kind of, you know, depleting, devolving self-esteem that comes with getting progressively, you know, heavier and heavier and, and all That's of that. Right. And those two worlds, you know, become incompatible <laughs> with each other after a little right. bit, Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, this, we, you know, I, I often think like life can boil down to, you know, these tiny little moments, you know, these little sort of occurrences that could mean nothing or could mm-hmm. mean everything, you know? And so you get this phone call from your buddy mm-hmm. right at the exact t- time when you're starting to get ready to do something about this. And, you know, for me, I had a similar kind of thing. It wasn't as dramatic as your event, but, uh, mm-hmm. You know, when that little opportunity meets that willingness and, you know, crazy, amazing things can happen. Yeah, I mean, and and that was, and I tell him to this day, he's a grown ass man with his own family. But I tell him to this day that I love him. Like, you know, I love him for that. And, Mm -hmm. and, And it wasn't because he saw his buddy getting fat and his buddy, he needed, he was worried about him. Mm hmm. You know, and he wanted me to come with him. Right. That was, that's as simple as it was, you know? Right. So you're helping him and he's helping you. Yeah. That's like the best way to And that's the, best, that's the best, that's the best, a win-win. Yeah. I mean, how you get better than that? You know? Yeah, because you have accountability to your buddy because, mm-hmm. because uh, you know he's going to show up at the gym at five. And if you're not there, he's going to be pissed. Right. right, and you guys can keep each other on track. And we're gonna rag each other. We're gonna, hey, what's up? You couldn't get up this month? Oh man, <laughs> but you got your paint draws on today. You know what I'm talking? About? I mean, we could go get on each other about it. That's right. it. Right. So, uh, and at this time, you didn't even know how much you weighed, right? Like this, you, no were, you were just off the scale, like literally off no the clue. scale. The scale, the scale wouldn't go as high as you were. No, man, it, right. it wouldn't. It, it, and you know, my wife has a little scale. And uh, that I would get on and I had been getting on it for, for, you know, a couple of years where it just had little E's across it. That's all it would say. E. It had like four E's. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I guess that signifies error. Right. And um, that was it. And even when I would go to my doctor's office on the, on the tall, regular, normal doctor scale, uh, it only went to 350. So the lady, when I would go in, the lady would slide the little weight all the way to the right, which was 350. And I would step on it and go clunk. Uh-huh. And it wasn't even close to registering anything, you know? What, 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 what was your doctor telling you when you would go in for your checkup or whatever? Not a whole lot. Not anything about my weight. Really? Was, nothing. Because it's so normal down here, man. 
Wow. It's so normal down here. Uh-huh. And, and, to be, and to be frank, you know, my doctor's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of don't, I think you kind of would uh, feel you have some reservations there to, even if somebody does need to do something with their weight, um, you know, I think, I think there might have been a little bit of reservation there to not hurt someone's feelings maybe right. or embarrass them. Because he just would deal with the task at hand if I went in there because I rolled an ankle or went in there because I was feeling sick and he would give me a cortisone shot or whatever I was there for. Mm-hmm. That's what we dealt with. We didn't deal with me being big because right. so many people had that problem here. It's not, it, I mean, it, they would, that's all they would be doing all day every day. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what he should be doing. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, what does he say now when you go in? He is blown away. Uh-huh. Completely blown away. Um, he has to be. He is. He he is. And because uh, I I actually did. It's a funny little side story. Not not funny. It's just a little side story. The last time I went to him, I was I was feeling lightheaded a little bit. Uh, I would get up when I would stand up quickly. I would get a little lightheaded. So I went in to see him, and he was like, "Holy cow, man! What have you been doing?" And I told him about plants, and I told him about running, and and um, everybody makes little faces when you say, ah, you know, right. that you, you know, so anyway, so he puts me on the heart monitor thing and, and then uh, he winds up sending me to a cardiologist to make sure that everything's okay. The cardiologist puts me through a stress test and does all kind of stuff. And uh, he wanted the cardiologist. Is, he's like, well, dude, because at the time I had lost 175 or 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, dude, that's that's why you're getting lightheaded. You have all this extra vasculature, all, all these extra veins that's been going to all of this far reaches of your enormous body that is not doing that anymore and your heart just can't get blood to all of the far reaches of those veins mm-hmm. as quickly as you can move now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that all makes sense. But I was knew that I was going to be training for a marathon and so did my doctor. And that's why he sent me that. He wanted to, everybody needed to make sure that Josh wasn't going to hurt himself uh, doing this, reaching out and reaching out so far outside of what had been my box. Right. So, um, so, but back to the, back to the scale, sure. I mean, you, so your, your wife went out and bought a scale that could, that could handle a man yeah. like you, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And what is it, what does it top out at? Well, it, it was, I mean, where do you top out? Right. It was, heaviest? I still don't know exactly where I topped out, but this was, after at 397, okay, was my first time that I looked at the scale and saw a real number for how much I weighed. Mm-hmm. But now, that's already after you'd been working out and kind of started taking control of stuff. So it's it's conceivable you weighed you know you weighed more than that. At some I, point. Yeah, I think it would be conservative to say that I was probably more around 410 mm-hmm. easily because I was losing weight. When I was so heavy, I was losing weight at such a rapid pace because of how heavy I was. It was easy to lose weight in the beginning. And so I I think it's very conservative to say that I was 410, 415 pounds to start with. I mean, when you weigh that much, I mean, what are the kind of things that people might not realize that you kind of have to deal with? You know, whether it's it's sort of. Think about 
things that would be really fun to most people. Like, say we've, like, I'll take my honeymoon for an example. My wife and I flew, we went to Martha's Vineyard for our honeymoon, which was an amazing, amazing place. Well, in the commercial air, on the, on the flight, think about a foreigner being a four, six, four, 400 and 400 pound man on a in coach on a commercial flight. Not fun. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to you got to be embarrassed and ask the lady for a seatbelt extension and you are making everyone next to you uncomfortable. My poor wife, she's got to sit and we lift up the, the armrest so I can spill over into her side. But I'm still, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so you have to buy two seats. They make you so, buy two seats. No, they, they, I never, nobody ever made me buy, nobody ever made me buy two seats. But we were strategic about where we would sit. And, you know, my wife is a lot smaller than I am. Mm-hmm. So that helped a lot that I was able to take up half of her seat. Right. And, um, but there was a Cessna flight that I wasn't prepared for on that, on that trip. And oh, yeah, because you got to take a little island hop. Right. right. I had no idea. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> and so I'm that we. <laughs> my she's wife, laughing. She's, it, she's still laughing at you. It was, you were fat when she married you. It, dude. When she yes. thinks now. I'm, I'm actually, yeah. Oh, she she always says she's always held because my wife. If you see our wedding pictures, you go, "What the hell was she thinking?" <laughs> but uh, you know, she's ecstatic. She loves. She's she says she's always loved me no matter what. Which you know, that's that feels really great to know. And uh, she's actually bought on, bought into the whole lifestyle with me. She's she just did her speed work. In a forty degree rain, fifteen mile an hour wind, down nice. that we're having down here right now. So we're in a little mini competition amongst ourselves right now. Actually, I, like it. She it, it, like a, I think she's a keeper. Oh yeah, definitely a keeper. She's uh-huh. a, she's a keeper, and so but yeah, um, we're in this little Cessna, and I have to actually just kind of put one butt cheek in the seat and fold my leg up in the aisle <laughs> behind me. And the lady who the pilot, I mean, because I mean, I'm basically sitting up on the pilot on her on like right behind her. And well, actually, she moved me up to the front of the plane uh-huh. because it's such a small plane that she needed to shift the weight. And it was very awkward and it was very, very embarrassing and very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm laughing because it's all funny yeah. now, but like it's not funny. You know, I'm sure it wasn't funny at all at the time. And, no. you know, this is, you know, this is a, this is a problem that a lot of people have to deal with. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it creates all that kind of shame and it makes you want to, you know, not yeah. engage with the world. And I mean, the, the trickle down effect of just the stuff that you have to deal with on a bit daily basis and the amount of energy Output right. that it requires yeah. just to do to something just that do would be normal simple. Stuff. Yeah, to That's do, right. exactly. I was listening to an interview um, recently. I can't remember where it was, but uh, it was um, this guy Dave Asprey, who's he calls himself the bulletproof executive. <laughs> He's got a podcast. He was it was on some podcast, but anyway, he was talking about how a lot of people uh, 
who are really overweight have trouble uh, losing weight because everybody tells them that they need more willpower. And what people don't realize is that people that are tremendously overweight are exerting more willpower on a daily basis, you know, by far than the average human mm-hmm. being because the amount of willpower it takes just to sort of do the daily things, there's you, you have a finite amount of willpower, right? And right. it's expended and- on just that. So to ask somebody to go above and beyond to handle what seems like, you know, an obvious thing for somebody who doesn't have to deal with that is just is too much to bear. Right. Yeah, I I I get it. Uh-huh. So uh all right, so so we're 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 orbiting around the 400 410 area most likely, right? That's and right. uh and so you're hitting the gym and you don't really have a plan, you're just meeting your buddy at the gym and you guys are starting to, to you know turn things around so what is that you know what what are you doing you're just going in the treadmill or are you doing weights or no i'm not even doing the treadmill at this point i'm just i'm just at the gym going back to my old football roots lifting weight yeah that's what we're doing (laughs) bench pressing (laughs) i'm bench pressing and doing bicep curls and Uh how come i'm not losing weight (laughs) right and so what i was i was you were just by probably just by moving your body correct just because i was doing and and one thing that i did change from the old workout was i had increased my intensity because i because at this point i i did understand that i didn't know what i needed to do and so I was actively seeking information through this whole process. And I was looking at places like um, like Men's Fitness Magazine and finding these like interval training and, and circuit training. So, so whereas before I do three sets of 10 and drink water in between the sets and all of these things, now I was doing exercises and I was rotating through circuits and stuff. So even though I wasn't doing cardio on the uh, – treadmill or running or anything like that i was lifting weights in a way that was really um more intense than i had ever done before and and um so i was keeping myself sweating and man weight was just pouring off of me in the beginning it was just pouring off we're brought to you today by birch if you're serious about optimizing your sleep listen up I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. 
I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. But meanwhile, you hadn't really started to take a look at your diet, right? So were you just uh, going home and having the jambalaya and the gumbo? Or like, what what are you eating at home? Just doing less of it. Quantities. I was worried about my portion controls kind of a vibe. That's what I was doing, really. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekends, it was a complete free-for-all. All all the beer and whiskey and pole bars that I wanted. It was like, took the weekend off and work like a crazy man during the week you take the weekend off and i did and i lost a lot of weight <laughs> while right. i was doing that but it's because i had so much to lose that it came off kind of easy in the beginning right you know? to lose oh to lose uh, i thought you were giving me some weird louisiana <laughs> term or something <laughs> oh, <laughs> to lose. yeah yeah so you end up dropping like you know in pretty in a pretty you know short period of time i mean you dr- you drop like 60 pounds right away right just right I moving yourself pounds. Cause my big, you got to remember, my main goal in the beginning was to look better in a suit, mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to have to don a suit and get in front of people who I already felt awkward around because I'm ten years older than everybody anyway, mm-hmm. all right. And so, and on top of that, I outweigh everybody by two hundred pounds at least. So I'm trying to mitigate that as much as I can during my senior year. 
So when it comes time for my 490 business class and I make my big, you know, uh, you know, coup de gras presentation at the end, um, I don't look like a sweating fool up there because I knew the material. I knew what I was doing and I knew I could talk about it. But I was scared to be distracted by how bad I felt like I looked. Right. <clears throat> and so by the time you're, you graduate, that was where you were 60 pounds down, right? Right. That's so correct. You're so, so you're 320 and change, right, at that point? That's, that's right. That's right. right. And, then, uh, and then there's you sort of flip the page and a new chapter starts with this idea about maybe trying to do a little running. That's right. And it just clicked because uh, – the gym that I look that it's called La not it's called La Rosa's. Uh-huh. It sounds Rosa. like an Italian restaurant. <laughs> no, it's just a coon ass name. It's Mister <laughs> La Rosa. <laughs> so, but there's also a barber called La Rodans that almost almost said La Rodans instead. Uh-huh. But anyway, he's it's on it's located on Tiger Drive, which I was a, I went to Thibodeau High School, which is we were the Tigers and the, the Tiger Drive passes right in front of Thibodeau High. And the gym is on Tiger Drive right down the road from the high school. And so I would pass down Tiger Drive and I would see this man um, who I've known very well. My wife know, has known him all of her life. I'd see him on the sidewalk doing this weird little like I would laugh like a little jiggle. And it was barely faster than a walk. And I'm looking at it, I was like, hell, if Mr. Jeff can get it in, I can do that too. Uh-huh. So that's what I started doing. I just started, I would just do that little jiggle. And my buddy Jeff, my the, the man that I modeled my initial running uh, form after, his name is Jeff as well. But my buddy's, my workout buddy at this point, his name is Jeff. So Jeff would walk next to me as I would do my little jog jiggle. Uh-huh. And that's how I started, man. All right. You, you started with a jiggle. <laughs> that's it, dude. You were just out jiggling. That's right, it. Right. So it's kind of like a waddle, like a walk, like like that's a little more it. like brisk than a walk, but right. And it was uh-huh. just kind of like a it was more with the upper body, like it looked like I was doing more than I was, you know? <laughs> right. And right. Uh, and how far would you do that for? A mile. Uh-huh. A mile. That's where I started. And then, and then after I, I would do the mile, we did the mile after our weight routine every day. Right. And then uh, I started wanting to get faster in that mile. Started wanting to go, well, damn, it took us 15 minutes to do that, you know? And then so I started working my way down and I wanted to get it down below 10. And, uh, you know, it took a long time and I was still in the 12s, you know? And, then, and uh, one thing leads to the next and I was like, I wanted to give myself a little shot in the arm, something like a like a carrot on a stick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I told that's when I told my buddy Jeff, I was like, "Hey, let's do the Crescent City Classic, man. Let's sign up to do it right now, and um, we're gonna we're gonna work towards it." Was that's and like that, a ten k race? That's a ten k. That's right, correct. Right, right, right. And how, uh, how how far away was that? Like, how much time would you have to prepare? Uh, um. It was a, it was a few, it was a, it was a few months, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It was, it was, it was a few months. So you it set a goal. Set, yes, I set a goal. Right, right. I set a goal. And, Wait, and, and so what's the, what's plan? the plan? Like just, just 
go further, faster? Just long, yeah, just, just long miles. That was my thing. I wanted to get distance. I wasn't worried about how fast at that point. I just wanted to be it. My goal was to run the whole Crescent City Classic. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's pretty, and, that's a pretty lofty goal when you're just out there jiggling for a mile, right? Yeah, it, it was, it was. And in training and what caught me was this, cause we would do our training, uh, pre daylight hours cause we worked. So we, we were at the gym at four 30 in the morning and, you know, and then we'd go run after. And then, so the furthest I ever got in my training quote unquote training for the mm-hmm. for the 10k was four miles that was the longest non-stop run i had completed and that was just uh, a week or so before the crescent city classic right right so you and, go into this not not you're you're not sure how it's gonna go right well first of all the night before the crescent city classic we in new orleans having a good time um we get a bottle of wine and a cheese plate at a place uh-huh. and some some uh, gouda beignets and like I don't even I mean, know what that is. Well, it's a type of a cheese made into a beignet, which uh, or, or beignets. That's how maybe the rest, right fried cheese bread basically. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. Completely delicious. We, and <clears throat> we, and we drank a couple of bottles of wine. This is pre-race. This is my right. like night before the race. <laughs> then, so so we get up and we go and we had the we we late for the start line. We get there. Uh, I'm all excited, but we get there and and what I, what I failed to realize in all of the training was we had never run in the daylight. Right. And so we take off and we start running and not only am I just slightly hungover and not now I'm not really fueled up correctly. Uh, <clears throat> we take off running and, and it was really taxing. It was really, really taxing on me. Mm-hmm. It, it, and I had to start I had to start walking in mile three. Right. The, the, because of the heat, the humidity. The heat. Yeah, and all that fried and, cheese in your belly. And the night before, yeah, yeah. Now I know it, it was a terrible idea to do all that stuff. I mean, it sounds like, you know, duh, but really, it, I, in my mind at the time, I was like, man, I'm about to go run six miles tomorrow. I can have whatever I want. That was literally the right. logic. Yeah. You know? Right. So, uh, all right, yeah, so you cramp up and you you, you finish mm-hmm. it, but you just, you're, you, you, didn't run, you, you, were able, you had to walk. I wasn't proud of my effort at all. Right. I wasn't proud of what I had. I, I was happy that we did the, the the Crescent City Classic. I did get through it, but uh, I wasn't really proud of what we had, what I had done. Right. It took you like a, just under two hours, right, to do right. it. I just ran. Yeah. The, the picture that I, that I put on the before and after that you put posted on your Facebook, mm-hmm. that, that I ran that half marathon and 158.44. Right. So it's, it's quite a, quite a difference. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So at this time, I mean, you're 320, right? So you're down about right. 77 that's, pounds. That's right. Right. That's right. But you got a little momentum, right? I did. Cause I, cause of, cause of how that, that, that race went, I was like, no, we got to do better than this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, my wife started, that's when my wife started getting on board and she started 
she joined a gym here in town and she started doing her thing too. My brother saw me complete a 10K and my brother that's when my brother wanted to get involved as well. And all of these other people, and it felt good, you know, that right. hey, we we all can do it. We can do it. And well, I think, so, yeah, I, you you yeah. have uh, I mean you have you you're figuring out how to set goals. Right. You're creating community around what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have accountability to these people and you're making mm-hmm. it fun with the people that you care about. That's I mean, exact. that's like the recipe for success right there. Right. And that's what when I was listening to, to uh, uh, Jeff Spencer the other morning mm-hmm. and when he goes through those steps that you were talking that you were talking about with him. And all of those things were just like going bling, bling, bling in my head. I was like, wow, I'm doing something right. I feel like I'm, I feel like I could be on the path of something really cool here. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, all right. So what's, what's next then? What's the next step here? So the next step <clears throat> is my wife, once she gets involved, we set another lofty goal in my opinion at the time was to get it done in under an hour. Yeah, you're going to cut, get- cut your time in half. Cut it in half. Right. And you got, a, you got a year to get ready for this, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Got a year. Because we decide after that race that day that I'm doing it again. And I'm going to do it way better. And um, so. So you got this time to do it. And, and around this time, too, you know, the other kind of thing that jumps out at me f- from your story is this, uh, you know, you're starting to reframe this idea of of what's possible and redefining right. the idea of impossible. And I think that that is, you know, through the lens of this culture that you live in where maybe, you know, it's not encouraged to kind of step outside the norm and say, I'm going to do no. something that's yeah. a little bit different from everybody else. Right. Right. Especially with all of this, um, you know, kind of hippie stuff that I'm partaking in these days. That, that, <laughs> right, man. What's happening? <laughs> and it's, it's not You're losing the thread, man. Right. And it's like everybody, and, but, but there's a lot of folks that see it and go, you know, maybe there's something to it. I mean, you know, we are Louisiana, Mississippi are bottom of the barrel when it comes to health and comes to obesity. And come, I mean, or, or, top of the class whatever however you want to frame it when it comes to very negative things you know and uh i think i think it's time to adopt a new normal here right i mean when this is happening are your friends giving you shit or are they giving you a pat on the back i mean how what's the reaction you know you're you're still you're still you've lost a bunch of weight but you're hardly the way you look now no absolutely and that and Everybody was pumped for me when I was, they were more happy. Um, they were happy. They were very happy that I was losing the weight and that I was looking good. That's the constant compliment is, you know, oh man, you look so amazing. You look good. You're losing some weight and all of that. Um, but yeah, everybody was really happy for me. Uh, uh, and, and really pumped about the running thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you're getting encouragement. All right. And, uh, and, and now you're going to get ready to try to cut your time in half. Um, so where does the, you know, where does the kind of, uh, new look at food start to creep into the equation? That didn't, that happened along the, right around the time I had started preparing for that part for the, for the, um, 
it didn't fully happen. My new look at running itself happened in my training for that second Crescent City Classic. Mm-hmm. The food came. The food epiphany came after. Oh, I see. All right. Okay. So you got we got another year <clears throat> of you just right progressively was, learning how to run. My right, and I'm looking for role models in in that activity, you know. And that's when I read, um, I read Born to Run at that time, mm-hmm. and and uh, I was like blown away at how. People run 50 miles. People run hundreds of miles. I could. I mean, this was like crazy. It blew my mind. And I was like, and here I am. I'm, okay, so 10 miles is not that big of a deal. And so I just, I basically just kept doing exactly what I had been doing all along with maybe more salads and less pole bars, but still plenty of beer, whiskey, and pole bars along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so we get. And I think a lot of it was just me getting lighter um, in that extra in that next year helped me really get shave that time down. I mean, and having my wife who was actually outrunning me the whole time, uh, chasing her down really kept us on pace. And and was that's 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 how we got below the hour. Right. So you did. You finished it in 59 minutes, right? So you achieved that goal. Yes, it was very close. And I was in my my little uh, marathon photo things that you get after races that you go online and you get right every, every one of them, my action photos like the one that you see now. But every one of those photos for that race looks like I'm about to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I'm like. Um, this is I'm redlining it because I want to I want to make this goal and you know and then so I get it done and I'm like cool got it done that was pretty taxing and but after that race we go to um, one of my favorite pole bar places right and we so we go to the uh we go to one of my favorite pool boy places and I have a beer and always the pool boy and we have some chili cheese fries uh-huh. and, and a bark's root beer. So uh, there's, there's people that listen to the show that live in, you know, oh, different sorry. countries and all that kind of stuff. So no, I just want you to tell people what a pool, a pool boy is. A pool boy is, know. <laughs> is, is, is a sandwich made on a French loaf. Right? Um, very chewy uh, French bread and tons of mayo, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and fried oysters is my favorite. That's the, what I used to always get. So it's a sandwich on, and it's a loaf, an entire loaf of bread, basically, that's split long ways. And then you slather it with mayo and you put shredded lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and you have your, uh, your meat. Of choice and mine was always uh, fried oysters was what I would get and so here we are post race after this enormous exertion and that's what I've put in my body mm-hmm. immediately after and we felt like we really felt like crap after we ate all of that because I had read Born to Run I knew what I probably should be doing and what other successful runners were doing and I did that but it's and, also natural to just go out and celebrate too. Like no right, one's gonna, you know right. what I mean. And you had so at this point you lost 120 pounds. Right, 
Mm-hmm. So you're tipping out at two eighty five. Yeah, in, like that, that? In, that, right. in that right in that neighborhood. That's right. right. That's where I was. And but you kind of normalized there, right? Like it had stabilized. I did because we were getting close to Mardi Gras at that point. All right, and and so what happened after that race? Okay, me and my wife both. Yeah, well, I might have the timeline a little mixed up. I think Mardi Gras comes before right. that, but anyway. What it what happens is we we wind up um, adopt because I felt really guilty after that 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 meal and I felt really bad physically after that meal mm-hmm. and my wife winds up reading about eating clean and and that's when the food thing started to change. Um, I didn't really want to do that. I really wanted to just keep doing physical exertion, the physical exercise right. and, and just eat less of the bad stuff, but still have it as part of my, yeah, you're just, still holding on. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you're thinking if I just keep running, you know, I can get faster every year. The weight's still going to come off. Right. All that kind of stuff. But that but, stuff started to slow down. Right. So you're, it's, you're pretty much plateaued at 285. I was plateaued. And then deep down in my heart and in the back of my head, I knew I had done that before. I, I hadn't lost quite that much weight before, but I knew I had lost a lot of weight before. And and once it started to slow down, I could see it. I could really see it start to go back. I could see. I could imagine it coming all right back. So in the past, when you dropped a ton of weight and then regained it, I mean, what was what were you doing to lose it, and why did you regain it? Well, I would pick a goal weight. So I would say, oh, I want to get down to 250. And then so that's what I would do. I would for like, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of John Gabriel, but he talks a lot about being able to uh, get weight off of your body through sheer force, mm-hmm. how that's totally possible. And that's what I would do. I would just, I would just work really hard and eat a little less and make the weight come off. And I would get to that goal weight, and then I would celebrate with pole boys and beer all the time. I know. And then slowly float right back up to where he was, and all the time, you know, I mean, that's exactly uh, it's the I normal mean. thing because all right. the all the emphasis and all the focus is on hitting that number. And once you that's hit that number, you've achieved your goal. You take your foot off the gas because mm-hmm. you're that's, not you're not changing your lifestyle. You're not creating a new sustainable lifestyle that you're going to be able to live with over time. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. The eating clean thing, even though it still included, it's even though it still included meat, um, eating clean made me feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. No processed food, and it really made me feel a lot better. And it was in that, in that, uh, at that point is when I saw that, and I is when I saw the um, the documentary fat sick and nearly dead mm-hmm. it was while we were eating clean right, right and i was like holy cow this guy did this you know and with the trucker the guy phil and that thing i'm like it just was it blew me away you know right, right. and the way he broke it down with the little cartoons about your body you know all the processes and your body needing clean fuel and all that it all made sense you know mm-hmm. so this has you thinking about maybe doing something completely insane. Right. Right. I, I actually did try the juice thing. 
Okay. Uh-huh. And it didn't, it didn't do. <laughs> My right. wife slapped me. How many days did you make it? I made it three days. <laughs> Three's not bad. I made it three days and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I felt like I felt like I had the worst flu on the planet. And I was like this. I, and in retrospect, I went from eating way too unclean to going to that to that far. I think yeah, it's pretty I, extreme. I made too big of a leap. Right. But uh, it did make me go. It did make me rethink um, the meat thing. Um and that's when I was like, what's another clean? And it's just a progression that happened because after that is when I saw Forks Over Knives. And then I saw Forks Over Knives. And then I saw Food Chain, uh, uh, Hungry for Change. And I saw Food Matters, which Netflix, I have to give a huge uh, shout out to for, for helping me along this process. You know, it's been, it's been invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. And after watching all those things and hearing all of those guys spew forth about need to give up animal products, need to give up meat and dairy and all of these things, after I heard it for about the fifth or sixth time, I was like, okay, let me try it. And that's when I told that, that's when I brought it up to my brother. I said, I said, I'm doing it. Because I was also telling my brother about all of these things along the way, and I was like, "Now, nah, not every a lot of these people seem like they might contradict one another a little bit, and you know, it's not necessarily one hundred percent consistent message all the way through. So you got to take what you hear with a grain of salt." Mm-hmm. And but th- so when I tell him that I'm 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 gonna go completely plant based, he's like, "What happened to that grain of salt, bro?" I thought we- <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Just give me a chance." And let me try it, and then you know, let's see. And uh, and the rest is history. After I mean, that. were they just looking at you, rolling their eyes, going, "Yeah, you know, absolutely, he's completely I still, lost his mind." People still rolling their eyes yeah. at me uh-huh. and crinkling up their face when they go, "Well, what did you do?" And then I tell them, and then they go, uh, "I just can't do that." Well, no, you can. You just probably won't. Right. But you had this willingness to try this. I mean, did you have, did you set an expectation for it or you just went into it completely open? Like, let's just see what happens. Uh, completely open. Uh-huh. I went in, I knew that I didn't want to go back like I'd always done before in my life. And I knew it was time for something that was going to be real. And I knew I needed a way of living and eating that was going to be sustainable for me because I still. I like to eat a pretty good volume of food. That's comfortable to me. That mm-hmm. feels good. I like to eat food. I don't like to feel like I'm starving. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that was the biggest thing for me was understanding that, oh, I can eat, man. Right. And, and what, do you, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, do you? why didn't you say, well, I'm going to just start eating maybe more plants? You know, what was it about about where you were at that you were ready to just turn the volume up to 10 and just do it? 100% because I think a lot of people struggle with that idea like they're they're like yeah I should eat more vegetables and and whatever but I'm not ready to completely let go of the other stuff like they want to keep their little toe still on the other side of that line right well for me what it was was my I had started really to fall in love with running and so I was reading about folks like you and Brendan Brazier Reading you got reading y'all's books and and mm-hmm. Scott Jurek and every one of y'all was the exact same message over and over and over and I was like okay maybe I'm not aiming to be an ultra marathoner 
But if I do want to do this and be a real and be a runner, like the runners I see running around New Orleans and going up and down St. Charles Avenue and around City Park and around Audubon Park. And if I want to be one of those guys, I, I feel like this is what I need to do. And that's really what helped me along with going uh, completely, completely plant-based was understanding that if I want to be a runner, this can really, really help and is optimal fuel for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah, well, it definitely is now. I mean, did you set a, like, I'm going to do it for 30 days and evaluate or just I'm doing this? So I, I said I said it I said 30 days um but I really kind of felt like I was gonna wind up sticking to it very shortly after I I uh started because the clean thing had started working the clean the clean eating felt so good for me and and then that was just a matter of removing the chicken breast because that's really all I was eating was chicken breast and fish mm-hmm. so it Are was you just that fried that, cheese still. still? No, no, the, no, fried no. Is, the fried cheese is a thing in the past. <laughs> all right, right. So, so uh, all right, so you jump into this. I mean, do, you know, how'd it go, like, the first week? They, no, no, I had no qualms with it whatsoever. So just, I really it just agreed with you from the beginning? It, it agreed with me from the beginning. I loved it. Um, the only issue that I had was trying to figure out how to how to – really like kale in the beginning because I had read so much about kale and all of these things. And I was, I was struggling with with kale a little bit. And and what about getting, you know, you're still 285. You like to eat a lot. Like what about volume or making sure that you feel full at the end of a meal, stuff like that. That's, that's what, that's how, that's how me and kale got to be friends (laughs) Because, because I could eat a bucket full of kale with with my I would made this little dressing right well before Chef AJ because my wife's telling me Chef AJ's dressing really helped me out with kale right. which it absolutely did but before that I was doing my own little thing with some spaghetti sauce and stuff that I, like out of some you know organic stuff from the jar which I wouldn't spaghetti don't sauce on, ka- on kale salad it? yeah yeah I was <laughs> I like putting that. spaghetti sauce on kale mashing it all up but the kale I felt like it held its it held its shape better down in my stomach when I understood what stretch receptors do and stuff like that. So I knew that I needed to get my stomach to be able to be satisfied. I needed to fill up my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so kale, I felt like did that in a better way than say some other, you know, softer lettuce would have done. Right. And, um, and that, so that's, that's how, I would get my volume of food that I that I that I wanted. That's where that's where it started, you know. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media.
There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. What were the kind of initial noticeable differences that you started to feel? My clarity of mind um, and how energetic I was. Um, I, I didn't have any issues um, getting up because, like I said, we were early morning gym people. We still are to this day, very early gym people. And uh, that that was just, I was up, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I was ready to rock and roll. Um, I stayed sore for a shorter period of time after giving workouts, after runs. Um, I right, felt lighter, quickly. I felt lighter on my feet during my runs, so it made me get like as I started to adopt better form, it was easier because I felt more springy. I felt, I felt, I just felt amazing. And the biggest one though for me was lighter, and not in the sense of not being a big fat guy anymore, but lighter in my gut. Like my body's getting rid of all of this unused food and it's not sitting in there. Mm-hmm. And so there's this natural cycle that's supposed to be happening that's happening. And um, that that regularity, um, I know we talk about weird stuff now that we eat plants, but that regularity is a big part of my life. I love it. You yeah, know, I yeah. feel, feel amazing. <clears throat> it just slides right out. It's amazing. Dude. It's crazy. <laughs> And uh, and the other thing that's that that I love about your story is that this you know at this moment in time when you made this switch, that was really that coincided with that moment where you decided you know I'm forget about the scale like it's not about the number mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to lose weight I'm doing this because I want to be a runner because I want to be fit and healthy so that's you right. shifted that mindset away from that kind of temporary goal that had you rubber banding mm-hmm. in terms of your weight. And focused mm-hmm. on changing your lifestyle, mm-hmm. and I think that's the key. And I think that's why you're, you've been able to maintain it, right? And and I feel like, and and everyone can can has their own opinion, but from what I've read and my experience with this whole thing, I feel like 
we're based we're obviously basically just animals here on the planet earth we happen to be fancy animals but but i feel like we were like mcdougall's book we really were born to run that's what we've evolved to do and i feel like we've evolved to eat plants and run those two basic things and if you want to be the most natural human form um that has sprung forth from this earth to do whatever but if you want to get in touch with that natural human essence of that being that you're supposed to be i feel like running and plants is where it's at that's just mm-hmm. how that's what i've adopted along the way and it has really changed my outlook on everything that's beautifully put and you're officially a hippie now yeah i know that's <laughs> weird <laughs> I mean, beyond beyond the kind of you know off the plate, you know, beyond the food conversation, this this process of of learning how to run and learning to you know mm-hmm. get better at it and and really embracing the joy that comes along with that. I mean, what how else has that affected your life? You know, in terms of just you know this sort of changes, you know, personal changes that that kind of occur when you spend that so much time with yourself, like out running, you right. know, like I just, I mean, I know the answer for myself, but I, I'm right. interested in, you know, well, it, I like. spent a lot of time. I used to do a whole lot of, uh, running with earbuds, with music blaring in, in there. Um, and I still do from time to time, depends on how long of a run I'm on and all, but most of the time, cause now I'm running, you know, 13, 14 mile runs, whereas before I run a lot less, I spent a lot less time out there. But I get, it's almost like a meditation kind of for me. I've been studying, I've been reading up on meditation here lately. That's kind of like my next phase in the metamorphosis, I feel like. It's a natural progression for me is I've been real interested in meditation and maybe even moving towards yoga some. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but, I practice my breathing while I'm on my runs and and I find a lot of parallels between my run breathing and the meditation breathing that I've read about a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um and it helps me think about some really deep things. Um I really just get a real peace when I'm all by myself and it's me and my breath and my footfalls and the scenery whether it's in New Orleans or here on the Bayou, um, I really feel like I'm deeply connected to the natural human that uh, I've evolved to be. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And, yeah, I love that. And, and I want to share that with my folks that uh, think that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. So... You know what it what is it like when I would imagine now I mean sort of fast forwarding to now mm-hmm. um, you know well the other sort of step that we missed is that you know once you made the switch then you you had a you sort of broke through the glass ceiling on on your on your weight and it, it started mm-hmm. dropping off you like crazy oh, yeah. right and ultimately you get down like what did what did you get down to well right now I weigh two o three okay two o three so um. <clears throat> You literally lost half your body weight. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and when you look at that before and after picture, I mean, it's it's hard to even fathom that that is the same it, guy. You know, it, so it, you look it, like a completely it, different person. 
right? And it's, it isn't the same guy at all. Right. And you live in a small community where people know you. And yeah. what is that like when, you know, people, I would imagine that there's, you know, there is this sort of cultural resistance that you, you experience or you, you butt up against. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, especially given kind of the extent to which obesity and, you know, diabetes and things like that are a problem down where you live, that, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a sort of private moment, you know, that friend who's, who's giving you shit at the party is the same mm-hmm. guy who's coming up to you and saying, hey, man, like, what, you know, what are you doing? Because they're, you know, they have to yeah. experience the same thing that you're experiencing when you're on the plane or all those kind of, you know, small little, you know, things on a daily basis that, that affect their lives, deteriorate the quality of their lives. So I would imagine that maybe people are more interested and more curious than they let on initially. And yeah. you're right. And the more I beat my drum, the more I start to see people kind of tab their foot a little bit to use an analogy. And, you know, I mean, cause I'm, I'm beating my drum, dude. I'm because I love these, I love these folks down there. I love where I'm from. I love the culture I was raised in. And, um, and I'm just trying to be, you know, an example that people can follow and say, God, dog, Josh Lajani did that? Because everybody knows me. Mm-hmm. And they know where I was, you know? And if I can do it, man, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. And um, But, yes, there are folks, because I have people my age, literally. I'm, not, I'm a young man still. And um, I got people my age that's, you know, on statin drugs, had a heart attack last year in the gym trying to lose weight. But not really, not not really doing the whole package. He's just on. I'm talking about one guy. I'm not gonna call him out, but you know, it just blows my mind that I have folks my age that are dealing with this, what used to be an old man problem. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, to answer your question about all people that is you know you know giving me shit, kind of maybe turning the corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. I see it every day. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but I make sure I don't pull punches like I used to, um, by sort of appeasing the people that I'm around. Um, when people ask me, I tell them, I don't, I don't bring it to you, but if you got a question for me, you open the gate and, and I go with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you I tell eat, them you just eat plants and then they and then they like they <laughs> crinkle up their face and then you're like well what about drinking oh you don't drink anymore either and i'm like i may have a glass of wine maybe once i can't even say it's with not even enough regularity to even say how, how i don't even i can't even tell you the last time i've had i'm not interested it doesn't it doesn't even appeal to me um, to have, I'm cool, but I don't, I don't miss it either, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that one's a big one for them. Even, you know, the drinking, cause the drinking is a pretty big thing down. That's kind of what we do. Right. And, 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 um, but it's okay. It's okay to not. And that's what I want to try to be, uh, a beacon for. Hey, it's okay that that's what we've always done. It's okay to not do what we've always done. It's okay it's okay. The world's not going to crumble, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, and that's it. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to, to, uh, you know, 
be an example. Well, I mean, here the thing is, you don't have to tell anybody what to. You should. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't tell anyone what to do, but you don't have to because your personal transformation is so dramatic. Right, and and, and you're not an outsider. You're one of them. They all know you. Yeah, and uh, and and you, all you have to do is share your experience. You know, mm. just this is what happened to me. You want to know what happened to me? This is what happened. And, and then, yes. and then right. they're going to do with that what, what they're going to do with it, but that's right. not your business, really, you know? No, it, it, that's exactly right. All I can do is, is do that. And, and my grandmother used to have this real, this little saying hanging up in the office that said, you know, actions speak louder than words, so sit down and shut up. But, but actions do speak louder than words. And I feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm, trying to scream to the top of the lung, top of my lungs with my actions without preaching to people with actual words. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that, I think that, um, I like doing that. Mm-hmm. I like it. <clears throat> you're, you're in a position to help a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people that need help. And I think that, uh, you know, I think you're ready to, to do that and to serve your community. I mean, I could see you being like Phil and fat, sick and nearly dead and hold, you know, <laughs> holding those little like workshops right. in the market and showing people how to strip the kale. And, right. you know, I mean, you, you have the, you, you are, you are perfectly situated to start your own little plant powered revolution down there, man. And that's what I want. That's, that's, that's really, you know, I, I really want that. I really do. And I really want, and I've done it in my immediate family I've been able to 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 uh, be the impetus for some change um, among some people that I love very very dearly, and that makes me immensely proud. And I tell my mom all the time because, and I hadn't even mentioned my mom who just ran a five k a couple of weeks. Oh wow! My mom, who's you know was, I you know how ladies are with weight. I can't say weight, but my mom has lost significant weight, and mm-hmm. she's you know been a person that's had she had scoliosis when she was little and she's got an 18 inch rod in her back and her mm. and and so that's always that built-in excuse as to why we can't do something and and um she's overcome that you know she's overcome that in recent months and i'm just crazy proud of what she's been able to do my brother's blowing my brother's blowing stuff out the water with his running and his weight loss my wife is killing it my little sister's killing it even my 80 year old grandpa who can't move very much he's sitting at the house but (laughs) just through osmosis he's got to eat plants too because everybody else is and he's losing weight as well that's amazing and and so I want, I want it to be. I want it to spread, man. And I get, I get the idea. Something that you talk about a lot too is, um, you know, this idea of transitional foods. You know, mm-hmm. and for people that aren't ready for the kale salad yet, to introduce to them something that can be delicious, regardless of whether you're a vegan or, or whatever you are. Um, those those things I think are very very powerful. Um, even though you can't maybe make a, a complete diet of said transitional foods, mm-hmm. um, they are very powerful to just introduce into people's brains that eating plants don't have to suck. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean you got to meet people where they're at. 
you know that's right man that's and, right uh, yeah i mean you know it's huge you're i mean you are permanently changing these people's lives it's amazing i mean the other thing that that people ask me all the time is you know oh well it's easy for you you live in los angeles like you know whole foods on every corner and every restaurant you know has a vegan option and all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. i mean you live i mean i can't imagine well, many places in the united states where it would be more challenging to kind yeah. of shop and you know get the kind of foods that you need so how does that work down there dude every grocery store's got produce department I have never been a I have never been a grocery store without a produce department. <laughs> and so when all else comes when all else fails, hit the produce department, man. Mm-hmm. And and I know, you know, we have a very we have we lucky in Thibodeau because we have a, a homegrown business called Rouse's and they do supermarkets. All right. And they are very receptive to what you ask for. So if you go and you say, hey, look, I would really like some, you know, Uncle Sam's oat brand. They, they'll make sure that it's on the shelf for you. I want I love the fact that you have almond milk. Um, and I know y'all don't do box almond milk, but I, I, I haven't I don't I still do. The almond milk is just mm-hmm. easier for me. But anyway, I get the unsweetened almond milk. And it's amazing to see, since I've started doing this, how many more, how much more of these items are being stocked in the grocery store because I see it happening. I see more people getting Ezekiel bread. I see more people getting the almond milk. I see more people getting raw almond butter, you know. And quinoa, we have quinoa in bins just like they have in Whole Foods now at mm-hmm. the Rouse's. And and it's it's really cool to see to see all of this happening, you know. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I would imagine this is this is you, man. You know, I mean, who else is going in there and requesting that stuff? I mean, you're you're Well, my family, yeah. We we're doing it as a whole. But right. yeah, my, you know, my mama's the one that asked the manager for stuff at Rouse's. I I've never have personally asked the manager to get things on that Rouse's. Right. Just, but but I know my mama will. So and, and I know that's probably where these things where uh-huh. stuff's coming from. And what know? about like what, how do you handle it when you have to go to a restaurant? I do like you, man. I pre-eat, bro. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I pre-eat in the event that I only my only option is going to be a dressingless salad. Right. So, so that way we don't have to go to some off the wall place just because Josh is a vegan or Josh is a or Josh and BJ, my wife as well. She she she's the same way. So, but we don't need to. I don't need to. You know, be difficult. Yeah, I mean, so, I think that's a big stumbling block for for a lot of people, or just mm-hmm. a fear, you know. So they have right. this fear, like, if I do this, then I'm going to be that guy, you know, who's mm-hmm. always a pain in the butt, or you know, and so they just don't even want to try no. because they're projecting into the future some mm-hmm. circumstance or situation that's going to be tricky to navigate. I get me a big old bowl of raw oats with some almond milk and and some grapes, and I fill up my my stomach, and I'm full. And then we go to the restaurant. Right. And then that way, if they do have something there, I, I'll be satisfied. And if they don't, I can get a few leaves on a plate and I'm, I'm still <laughs> satisfied, you know? Or like a, maybe a baked potato or and, something, right? right. Yeah. And, yeah. And when it, it's funny, when I order, you know, I, I like, uh, I like San Pellegrino. And, you know, people look at me crooked, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm Josh. Yeah. 
you know, from Thibodeau and <laughs> I'm drinking San Pellegrino with a line, please. And it's, it's kind of funny, but it, it's good. I like it. And, and, uh, it's, you know, it's cool, but, but, uh, you know, we, we, it's fun if you want to make it fun and, and, um, it can, it can, it can suck if you want it to be that way too. It's your perspective on it. That's, that's it. it. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. right. Either way. And, um, and, and, that, and that's just it, you know, and, and, and my wife and I both have a love for not only here, but, but that beautiful gem of a city that we have here in this state called New Orleans. We're only 60 miles from it. And, um, you know, we have season tickets for, for the New Orleans Saints, and we are massive, massive New Orleans Saints fans. And one of the biggest things that I mentioned in there that really that really sort of shook my world when it comes to possible and impossible was the fact that we were able to win a Super Bowl, which still – which I'm, it's settled in, but at the time – it was that that is that 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 blew my mind. <laughs> That'll get you to rethink what's possible. And impossible, Correct. Right? The Saints won the Super Bowl. You know, so yeah. If and, that's and possible, so, anything, right? And, and, yeah. Yeah. And so that, Sean Payton is like a big part of your story, right? Yeah. Sean Payton is an amazing. Um, People out of the country tell tell us who he is. Sean Payton is is the head coach for the New Orleans Saints. It's the NFL football team. In, NFL here football in team here in in New Orleans, and. Uh, and so what what happened is, you know, we've been the laughing stock um, for the most part of our NFL existence. Um, we've had some little spurts of good things that happened. Those spurts also happened to coincide with the San Francisco 49ers and the NFC West, which is our division, um, having their dynasty at the same at the same time that we tried to raise our little heads and we never really accomplished anything with our little bit of winning that we did in the late eighties, early nineties. However, for the most part of our existence, we've been just a laughing stock. And what happens is uh, we get Sean Payton after the devastation of Hurricane Katrina down here, and um, basically we win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and after that, it's that, like a crazy Cinderella story. Amazing. We get Drew Brees from from to come over from San Diego, who shattered his shoulder, his throwing shoulder, and we pick him up, and he just has is the on. I mean, I really think he's on the way to being, you know, arguably arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback of all time. Um, and Sean Payton's doing the same thing in the realm of head coach, and so those things are those things are are really sort of stretch what what you believe is possible. And after the Super Bowl victory, I was still very heavy at the time. After, right after the Super Bowl, I read Sean Payton's book, and and he talked a lot about those. You know, he used a lot of F words in his book and I loved it and he kept me reading, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but I loved it. And he talked a lot about, you know, forget about what normal is and screw, you know, that's the way it always is down here. That sort of vibe. Um, and, you know, just basically reach outside the box and adopt a new normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that really resonated with me. And I was like, OK, coach, that's what we need to do, man. You got to break the paradigm. That's it, bro. 
You know, I mean, some some places are more open minded than others, but I think that you know, from from the way you describe it, where you live, they're they're not so open to new ideas. Right, yeah. and what, what and my thing, I think that we that we can see as a roadblock um, is our culinary prowess here, in especially in the city of New Orleans. I mean, it's a global draw to go to some of the restaurants in the French Quarter and uptown and just around the city of New Orleans. It's a global global draw. And when you start talking about wanting to eat healthy and wanting to be plant-based, that becomes a roadblock in people's minds. But so much of our economy is tied into this food that we, mm-hmm. you know, sell. And I think I think you can flip I think you can flip flip all that on its head and say we actually have some of the most capable culinary talent in the world right here in this city. And if anybody can turn eating plants into something desirable, it's us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, not only did you overcome this, you know, tremendous amount of weight that you were carrying around, you mm-hmm. had to do it in a community that wasn't exactly, you know, supportive initially, and you had to do it in the midst of incredible temptation by, you know, some of the mm-hmm. the tastiest food on the planet. I mean, the food in New Orleans <laughs> is insane, right? So, it, it I mean, is. how do you how do you deal with cravings? Like, I think that's another thing that a lot of people really struggle with um i don't really crave much anymore i i I crave you know my big sins nowadays are you know too much nut butter or you know Mm. too many too many hands full of raw cashews or um but as far as me craving because of where i came from and what I'm doing now and where I'm headed, I, I honestly, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I don't crave. And understanding that pleasure trap concept, you know, mm-hmm. um, I know you've heard about it. And I know a lot of people listening have heard about that pleasure trap and what right. that is. Doug, it's Doug Lyle's right. idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and understanding that when I walk past a barbecue joint, and bells and whistles go off in my head because of the, the smells that I'm experiencing. Understanding why that's happening has really sort of really quieted down any cravings I might have. Mm-hmm. It really has helped. It really has helped a tremendous amount. And plus, being able to identify foods like some of the smoothies that I enjoy as like these things are just like so out of this world delicious that people um that i crave those now you know what i mean right and um you can't make an entire diet of you know uh um of fruit smoothies but that is a good one it's a good transition for somebody to get into plant-based living and two it's a good place for people who are in plant-based the plant-based lifestyle to have something that really sends bells, then lights up all those bells and whistles, you know? Right, right. I mean, do you have people that that say to you now, hey, listen, you look great, you lost all this weight, like now what's wrong with having, you know, a poor boy once in a while? Well, I and I use, I, I, I have exact, I have, I know exactly what I tell those people. I say, me and poor boy, me and poor boy done had, we, we didn't, we not talking. <laughs> and that's, that's just it. Me and Pole Boy, we done not right. we done sell out, bro. And 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 um I don't 
don't have there's no love lost between me and Pooh Boy. <laughs> All right. All right. And man. Uh, just look at my before pictures, man. Yeah. And and I know how I felt on the inside, and uh, I know what it did to me, and, and even my brain and my way I thought, and you know, you know, um, me and Pooh Boy, we just don't get along no more. All right, I hear you, man. <laughs> All right, well let's let's wrap it up here. But before we go, I wanted to ask you of like if there, you know if there's anything you want to uh, sort of let people know before we tune out here or like some words of inspiration or just something that people might not understand or fully realize or appreciate about adopting this new lifestyle that you have. Cause a lot of people listen to the show they're they're It's not all vegans, you know, there's all different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, people are curious though. And you know, what might they not really understand that you want to make sure you get across? My biggest the biggest misconception I think for and and is it doesn't suck to eat only plants. I see that face that people make all the time and it 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 is amazing what what your body, your mind and your soul can do when you get in touch with what we're supposed to be doing naturally. And um, I think plants and running is, is exactly what it, where it's at. You know? Right on, man. <clears throat> I love it. All right. Well, big love to you, man. Keep, Appreciate keep it, doing, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you know what would be awesome is if you check in with me once in a while, let me know how it's going down there. Like I want to see you catalyze this movement. Oh, you got it, man. I got I got some stuff in the works too. I'm me and my wife are working on some things there in the city that uh, you know, we we uh look forward to uh sharing sharing with folks. Excellent, man. And uh and what's next for you? You got a marathon you're getting ready for, right? Yeah, I got a marathon. I'm gonna do uh, I think my my big goal was the uh rock and roll marathon, rock and roll New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um but I've talked to a few people actually since you uh, you reposted my picture. A whole bunch of people have been blowing me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I have a few people that want me to go do the uh, the Louisiana Marathon, which is in Baton Rouge, and it's going to be a month before the Rock and Roll, which I'm thinking about doing that as a prelude to the Rock and Roll Marathon. Oh, cool. There's going to be a vegan village at that uh, Louisiana Marathon post-run, oh, which is wow. a pet peeve of mine. We never have good, healthy food at the event to eat after a race. Right. There's never, it's always like, pizza. hey, all right, here's the beer and the pizza and the fried shit and the, the jambalaya. I'm like, where are, where's the good stuff that we need right now? Our body's starving for nutrition at this point, at this moment in particular. <laughs> and so the fact that they're going to have that at the, at the Louisiana Marathon really has me uh, excited. And I think I'm going to participate just for that fact alone. That's cool. So it might actually, I'm, the Louisiana Marathon might cut in front of my uh, my rock and roll marathon. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just so you know, I mean, I, th- I think I emailed this to you, but mm-hmm. when I posted that picture, that before and after picture on my Facebook page, yeah. that, that got the most sort of views or likes or whatever of anything I've ever posted on my Facebook page ever. That's like crazy. It just too. blew it up like crazy. Like that, people were 
reposting it and sharing it all over the place. Like I looked at the numbers, I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> that was the most I've popular thing I've ever posted on my page. I literally sat in my truck looking at my iPhone, tingling, nervous, didn't know how to take it. Like, cause my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook was going bananas. <laughs> I and I was just, um, just re- like, really? It's just me, mm-hmm. you know? Really? And so, yeah, it that was a really cool moment, and I don't know how to thank you enough for that. Oh, that man. was just really, really awesome. Thank Rich. you for uh, for doing what you're doing, and uh, your story is incredible, and you are an inspiration. You really are, and I really hope that you embrace that and really understand the power uh, of your story and the impact that you can have, not just on your community, uh, but but everywhere you go. I, I, I'm trying. Right, you're doing it. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. So uh, if people want to uh, check you out, uh, you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter? Twitter. Again? It's just, it's, it's my name, which is, is Josh Lajani, which is, I'll spell the last name. Everybody knows how I spell it. My last mm-hmm. name is Lajani, L-A-J-A-U-N-I-E. And I'm at, I'm at Josh Lajani on Twitter. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And you can hook, hook up with me on Facebook as well, man. Right on, and I'll, I'm gonna post. Uh, I'm gonna post uh, those before and after pictures on the uh, on the page where I'm posting the uh, this episode. And uh-huh. uh, I'm gonna think I'm gonna um, your manifesto, man. Free Josh Lajani. <laughs> yeah. Post that on my uh, on my website. Sure, buddy. Is that cool? Sure. I, do that I have a. PDF. I started. I started a. I started a blog. Oh, you actually. got a blog. Cool. The, What's a blog? The, and I'm, it, Come on, it's, man. I'm it's, trying to get. I'm I know. Trying to promote your stuff. <laughs> Josh Lajani at WordPress. All right. Uh, dot com and because it's basically the same little uh, thing that I sent you because uh, I just want to share it with more people all at one time. You know. Right. And right. Uh, and I'll I'll repost the link to that on on Facebook and Twitter and all for people to be able to to get to it if people want to want to read more about it um but i plan on doing some more posts on 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 the blog um i have a lot more to say and um we have a lot more in store this is this is just the beginning man yeah i got no doubt man all right all right man well peace with you all right thanks so much for uh taking the time dude really appreciate it and uh big love to your wife bj too (laughs) she can run the marathon with you you damn skippy. All right, good. All right, All right, buddy. Peace. Plants. Later. All right, you guys, that's it. That's our show. What do you guys think? I thought it was pretty freaking good. I think that guy's pretty inspirational, man. I totally dug talking to him. I thought it was awesome. Uh, Tell me what you guys think by leaving a comment at richroll.com on the blog page for this episode. And if you've been enjoying the show, tell a friend. That's all we want. Tell a friend. It's free. Why not? If you want to take it a step further, we would love it if you would use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your holiday purchases. Just go to richroll.com, click on the banner ad on the right-hand margin for Amazon. Takes you to Amazon, get what you're going to get. Does not cost you a cent extra, but Amazon throws us some loose change. Helps keep the lights on over here. You can also donate to the show 
one time, weekly, monthly, any amount you want. We appreciate everybody who has supported us this way. It warms my heart. I appreciate it tremendously. Uh, If you are looking to supply yourself with plant power needs, go to richroll.com for that as well. we got a cookbook, meditation program, athletic recovery supplement, vitamin B12 supplement. Coming up with some new nutritional uh, products in the very near future. Also going to get the T-shirts up. I'm working really hard to try to get that accomplished uh, by the end of the first week of December. We're going to have a couple different Plant Power T-shirt options up there. Very, very excited to be able to finally get you guys this. There's been a lot of demand for these T-shirts, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, Also, we're going to have signed copies of Finding Ultra available to you guys. Hey, if you haven't checked out my book, Finding Ultra, what are you waiting for? Um, But you can get a signed one pretty soon up on my site, and I'll let all you guys know when that's up and live, of course. Um, Leave a comment at iTunes if you've been enjoying the show on the iTunes page. That helps us out a lot with the rankings. gets more eyeballs on what we're doing. Um, And uh, what else? That's it. Oh, yeah. You know what? Holiday season is here. Maybe you've got a friend. You're trying to figure out what to give them as a gift. They're into health. They're into fitness. But they already have everything. What do you do? How about our ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition at mindbodygreen.com? This is our ultimate guide to eating the plant power way. Julie and I put everything we have into this. It basically, I took a look at all the questions that I get about how I eat the way that I eat, how I fuel my body to train and race, um, how do you do it when you travel, how do you do it in restaurants, what should I shop for, what are the essentials that I should be stocking my kitchen with, recipes, the whole nine yards. It's three and a half hours of streaming video content broken up into short little segments that are very specific uh, to a particular subject matter. And there's an online uh, community, like forum community, where we interact with you guys, answer questions, etc. We're really proud of it. The production value is extremely high. Uh, we partnered with Mind Body Green on this, and and they put a lot into it, and so did we. So if you haven't checked it out yet, take a look. You can find it on the homepage there at Mind Body Green, and you can gift it to a friend too. Make like kind of a cool, unique gift. So that's it. Uh, I'm out of here. Hope you guys are enjoying your holiday season, and let's free Josh Lajani. Free Josh Lajani. Out of here. Thanks, guys.